2: Hello everyone and welcome to Heart and Hand, the Rangers podcast. My name is David Edgar, I am your host as always and joining me this week to discuss the champions who maintain their unbeaten run with a 1-1 draw to, I don't know where they are in the league, a team miles behind as you can't actually see them. First of all, it's Andy McGowan. Hello folks. How are you feeling Andy?
0: I'm feeling okay, I've got a wee cold so if my dulcet tones aren't quite as soothing as usual, that's why. I'll give you a few tunes, do you want a few tunes?
2: Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> given given the, the fact that we're not allowed to gather in, in a group, we'll probably get lifted just for this, so uh, probably best not to give them any extra things. And you may have heard the, the, uh, the, the mellifluous laugh of Mr Alex Staff. Good afternoon Alex. Great, okay, well there David, good
1: afternoon David, I hope you're well.
2: I'm all right. Uh, right, folks, let's let's start. Obviously, it was an old firm game. Usually, I don't know about you, Andy. I mean, you very similar to me in our, our the way we approach Rangers. And um, you know, I, I just I I woke up with a battle fever, but I slept on Saturday <laughs> night. That's not always something I do before an old firm match. I think that. The, the emotions of the last two weeks, the fact that we'd won the title and then everything that happened on Thursday night. I know that, you know, and I, and as I say, you know, come Sunday morning, I was like, right, Rangers into them. But it just didn't feel like the usual old fun build-up. Is it, is it because of the circumstances of Thursday? Is it just that at the end of the day, these are kickabouts? Uh,
0: I think that um, much like post-coital bliss, the desire just isn't there straight afterwards and that's the way I would put it because the emotion and what we went through in the last two weeks in terms of celebrating 55, uh, it, first of all, pragmatically rendered this pointless, right? This, this game did not matter one jot in the context of the league, that's a fact. So what it did leave is a, a kind of need for a marker both for them as a team and for us as, as the, the team that's going to go the rest of the season unbeaten. So I'm the same as you, David. I could not get overly exerted by it. I, I welcomed that fact because I think too much adrenaline is often wasted on these games. And uh, I actually found it quite relaxing to go into Saturday night, Sunday morning without any of those kind of your, your stomach turning at the thought of uh, things that could or good, could go wrong or could go right. And the the game itself was pretty much along those lines. And um, I think, as, as we'll discuss today, the desire and the, the wherewithal that we've seen from this Rangers team all season wasn't quite there. But the burden of proof of who was the better team was on Celtic to prove, because we've got a body of evidence this season that, that speaks for itself.
2: Yeah, Alex, I think that that's the thing, right? You know, when we sit down, and I notice a lot of people were uh, on social media and on you know follow following various other websites, um, talking about uh, why did the team not press the way it usually does? And it's well, it's not FIFA. The you know they played on Thursday night. They've had as as Andy mentioned this incredible roller coaster two weeks. They're human. I, I don't think they had the legs to go out and play the way they did. You know, in the fixture at the start of the season. I think it was. You've got to be realistic about these are human beings.
1: Yeah, um, two days preparation against two weeks. is. If it was the other way around, we would um, certainly have expected to have more energy uh, and be the team able to to go and dictate the game to them. So why we didn't expect that the other way around? You know, it's, it's, it's a bit like the old uh, it's kind of what football fans do, I suppose, isn't it? Uh, went in the cake and eaten it. But... It, yeah, it, was, it wasn't a surprise that we didn't quite have the same sort of energy levels as we might have had earlier in the season, or in a game where we've had a full week to prepare. I thought we did okay that way. Um, certainly, few, I think it was more individual players than the whole team, though. Like Ryan Kent looked as though he could have ran all day, for example, where I thought that Glenn Kamara's legs went kind of early. Um, compared to how he would usually do, so you know it wasn't like a, a understandably yes, of course. No, it's not a criticism of any of them. I should I should caveat this by saying it was just there were a few players where you could see the legginess was there. You know, um, And I'm sure Gerard was expecting that as well. Uh, they gave a more than good enough account of themselves. I thought, given everything that's went on in the past couple of weeks, and given the fact that it's it's human nature for this, this is the most difficult thing now is when you've reached a target you've been spending three years to try and reach, yeah. it's extremely difficult to, especially, you know, such such a short time afterwards, to then lift from that. I, I believe this squad will kick on from winning the league and improve, and many of these players will actually get better and get more confident in themselves. But that's not going to happen straight away. That's, you know, a little bit of a longer process. Um, and, you know, there's still a little bit of a kind of, title winning hangover, um, which was evident in that game. But I don't think it's going to be a major problem for this squad going forward. I think it was just the circumstance and the timing of this one game.
2: Andy, we, we talk a lot on here, and football fans in general do, we'll talk a lot about things like, words like mentality, you know, men, you, mentality, monsters, as you're in clubs, and we talk a lot about emotional things like bottle and spirit and determination and resilience and all these kind of words. But I wonder if sometimes we do underplay mental fatigue um, which is yes they're all professional athletes that's absolutely correct and and they are fit and well trained and I think we even saw again yesterday in the last 20 minutes that Rangers were fitter than Celtic even though we did two games in the last two weeks and they'd, they did two weeks off but mental fatigue is a different thing that it's your sharpness it's your decision making and, and it can just be a little bit and I think as Alex said you know the Reaching the goal, the celebrations that followed, everything that it meant to everyone, then the two games against Slavia, then everything that happened to Glenn Kamara when he was racially abused in the aftermath of that. That all does contribute and it's maybe something as fans that we're a little selective about when we apply the mental side of the game to the game.
0: Yeah, I think you're correct. it is taken for granted a wee bit and we refer to it as if it's something that you can switch on and off and that that everybody can apply you know it's not a case that everybody's got desire and everybody's got the required mentality it's actually a case of individuals and then the collective Uh, and what I would say for the Rangers team is that this season as supporters how have we felt as we wake up in the morning and think about winning this league and as we go to bed at night and think about winning this league, and as we eat our dinner and think about winning this league, how have we felt in terms of that pressure, that expectation, that that need, absolute need that we had for it? How does it feel for a player to be actually in the IRA storm, not just uh, once a week, but every single day? Because I I I can tell for Gerard that the the focus has been a daily thing. So for them to come through that with their eyes on the prize the whole time, win the league so early and then come out of that and, then, as you say, have a not unremarkable two weeks, right? this this These two weeks, we've had the most highest intensity game, physically and mentally, I think, uh, the two games against Slavia uh, and, and then had the kind of specter an all-firm game at the end it. I think it's quite um, unreasonable to think that a team can do that the whole season have the results we've had for this entire season, remain unbeaten by the cup tie, and then um, lay any kind of question or question mark at the, the feet of the team for, for how we performed on Sunday. So the mental aspect is 100% got to come into play. I think the physical aspect came into play because it reminded me, I don't know about you two, but it reminded me very much of the, the first old-firm game under Gerard when we came back for the furthest part of Russia Uthar, yeah. against, against We played with nine men. So there was echoes of that after playing with nine men on Thursday against a very good team. And I think that's why, I mean, I mentioned on social media, I thought we controlled the game. And I tried to caveat that, but we saying, well, we controlled the game in terms of how you can control a game when we have not got the ball. And me and you will be familiar with this with Oliver Smith's tactics in, in the, the, the nine-a-row era, where we used to go... On the back of a heavy schedule, go to a place like Park and Aberdeen and get the results without actually holding the the stats on possession and shots had and, and all these kind of stuff. I, that was the kind of game it was because I thought we can kind afford of Celtic to play in a certain manner and it contained them to a degree. That's controlling the game. So, all things being said, I think it's a very good indicator of where our team is that we can go into a game when we're not firing, firing all cylinders where we might be a wee bit subpar, where we might have two or three players actually playing very, very poorly, because I thought Aribo and Hadji were pretty much, as, a, as attacking forces, they weren't really there. So to come away then from Parquid with a draw, I thought that's a very positive mm-hmm. thing. Um, and, and I like the noises come from them, because if they're happy with what they saw based on all this context, then roll on next season.
2: Alex, uh, I thought we started the game reasonably brightly, but uh, Andy had touched on something there that we'll touch on later that we maybe just didn't quite have it in the the last third, although Alfie came on to a really good game and I thought Kent was, was one of our best players. But when we did lose the opening goal, we haven't lost a lot of goals this season, but there's a fair concentration of them seem to have come out of something similar to that. Now, yesterday with Leon Balogun, uh, right back again, and he had a, another torrid time. He's not a right back, and there are certain games you get away with it in. But Celtic were quite cleverly put Edward on him, and he he just didn't have a good half. Let's be honest. Um, good ball in from Edward again not stopping the cross coming in, but fair play, it was a good ball. But then Helander, Cotney was a wee bit maybe should, certainly Goldson seemed to think that he should have done better with it as he lets Yunusi across him and nothing Alan McGregor could do.
1: Actually, um, some people may think I'm being harsh here, so you know, I'm, I'm happy to take that criticism if so. Alex, thought... nobody
2: ever thinks you're harsh, it's always the
1: opposite. <laughs> I actually thought Goldson's reaction was one of, oops, I made a wee bit of a so that. And I'm going to, you know, kind of... I think he was frustrated with himself as well. And this is what I'm talking about with a leggy kind of nature. I reckon in a normal situation where Goldson's not feeling the effects of the last... And and, and emotionally, we talk about emotional tiredness, that guy was right up there when you seen his reaction to what happened on Thursday. And then his press conference on the Friday, which obviously, David, you were, um, you know, there at over over Zoom or however they're held. Um, That was a guy who was really feeling that. He had to be in between Balagoon and Herlander there. He had, to, he had to get himself, he had to be busting a gut to get in there to cut out that cross in the first place. But you could just see he just didn't quite have the legs to get there at that time. And then Herlander, when, when you're 1v1 in a defensive situation like that in the middle of the box, Herlander's usually quite good. He's usually very good at defending that. And this time he was just kind of outdone by somebody that had a wee bit more desire than him in that moment. There was other moments in the game where Hellander defending very well, so just in that one, he got done there. Uh, but I thought, personally, I'm kind of looking at it and thinking, yeah, Ballagoon was could have done better, but I actually thought Goldson should have done a lot better as well, and he seems nobody seems to be talking about that. But, you know, the position for a defender would normally be in between ball in front of the six-yard box, and if you look at where he is when that cross comes in, he's kind of doing nothing. So, uh, but I was, you know, I'm not, having a real go there, it was just a kind of legs thing, but yeah, they really did expose Balogun in that first half, I thought that midfield, Kamara was struggling to track back, again, leggy, and just kind of struggling to get into certain positions, Balogun was left exposed quite a bit, and the gap between him and Goldson was huge, you know, on that side, so they were continually finding it in there, um, and he's not an actual right-back, as you say, he doesn't really know, or he's he's played lot long enough in the past, but he seems to have Kind of got out of that habit, so certain little things that you could see Patterson doing when he came on, you know, where he wasn't going and instantly pressing, he wasn't going away over. At times he was happy to let a player have a ball away out wide until they got to a certain place where Balligan was going chasing it straight away. Um, little things like that were, were catching him out. A uh, bit of a shame. Um, a lot of focus on him now, as happens. You know, the Rangers are only as good as your last game, aren't you? Um, But, you know, we, we should kind of remember that He's been played at a position there in many respects. He wasn't signed to be a right back, uh, and it's uh, you know wasn't ideal for him. And it was a, a kind of difficult game for him. But hopefully, hopefully Taverniers on the way back soon, and we won't have to see it too much now.
2: Yeah, you you saw the difference. I thought even again when Nathan Patterson came on, yeah, um, and I thought that 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 you, you it closed it down a lot. I mean, it was still felt it was still coming down there, but they didn't focus and concentrate on it because they just weren't getting the joy they were getting previously. And Celtic then did did pile on the pressure. Then uh, Andy, the penalty uh, claim from them, the incident. Now, got to be honest here on on Ireland. There's no point us telling fibs to the listeners. When it when it first happened, I went, Phew, "Ooh." Um, and when I saw Colum running in, I was like, oh, "He's giving it." But of course, he books Edward. And I think when you see the replays, it's quite clear that there isn't any contact. And it's also clear to me, if you watch it, that he's going down already. As soon as he takes a turn inside, he starts going down. Now, an argument that you hear from people when they're trying to to defend that is they say, ah, he's anticipating contact. Okay, Um, that's nice. But it still doesn't change the fact he's made a decision that he's going to go down and sort of hope for contact. And they say, well, why would he go down when he's about to put the ball in the net? I don't know. You'd have to ask him that. But he has. And, uh, well, it's odd to, to praise Willie Collum. I thought, you know, he got that spot on. And unless you're looking at it with green-tinted spectacles and performing mental gymnastics, la, ah, well, there doesn't have to be contact for it to be a foul. Well, it kind of does there. Um, it, it wasn't a penalty, in my opinion.
0: No, the same as you. When it happened in real time, I thought it was, uh, it was going to be a penalty. Um, I've since mystified with this claim that there was contact. I mean, if there's contact, well, remember the Weetabix adverts? No, was it Ready Break? You used to have a glow on you. Yes. I'm I'm surprised you didn't
2: remember that because it was a bright orange glow.
0: (laughs) So that's the only contact you could have was his natural aura or something like that. Because I can I cannot see it. And and the narrative of it is is quite fascinating because I think if that was a Rangers player or Morelos, for example, doing that, I think the narrative coming through side of things would be pretty much anger at the striker or whoever the player in oh, question was. Sadiq oh, finishing the exact the exact exact, exact um, example because that is pretty much what happened there that he went doing when he had a chance to score a goal and Gerard blasted him. And I think, to a man, you the, the, would have been very hard-pressed to be in a Rangers supporter that had any form of sympathy or, well, this is why he did it. He's a professional player and they look for the, the penalty because it's sure or not crap. So I'm, I'm pretty mystified at how forgiven they are of Edward, particularly given the season, because if I was pointing fingers at who's letting him do this season, he'd be pretty close to the top if I was a Celtic supporter, heaven forbid. So I'm mystified at this narrative. It wasn't a penalty, there's no way it was apparently. It was a reckless challenge for Barisic, but just because it's reckless doesn't mean it's a penalty. And he should have buried that and killed the game there and then. He never. Hard fucking cheese. And I think uh, it tells you a wee bit of my mentality over at their side of the city because they're so fragile. I don't think they can face up to the reality of how they should be looking at that situation. That should be lying squarely on Edward's shoulders for not killing the game for them. Um, I'm mystified. We didn't he take a shot because even though he's, is he, I don't know, is he like right-footed, left-footed? He should still have
2: scored. There was a couple of guys on the line, but he should he had time once he's taken the touch inside to kind of look up and, and just um yeah. to an, an unguarded bit of the net. Alex, you and I are great believers in that it uh, it, it doesn't automatically mean. That if it's not a penalty, that it's a dive, right? Yeah. I think you know that there are times that that there's incidents in the box, and you hear pundits say, "Well, if he's not given a penalty, he's got to book him." No, he doesn't. Um, he can think it's not enough of a foul for it to be a penalty, but that the guy maybe was clipped or whatever. It, it's not that. Uh, that's not the rule. But that was a dive. <laughs> that that yeah. was simulation. And I'm a great believer in reactions of players telling you a lot. Firstly, I think. Barisic's reaction, which is that absolutely, I can't believe he's gone down reaction uh, followed by Celtic players and they weren't exactly all over Willie Colum
1: yeah. which they would have been You know, for, for them to come out afterwards and say it was a stonewaller, they didn't really act like that at the time and it's not as if they don't have previous for that so uh, you know, it's not it's not a team that's known for just letting the referee get on with it, is it? Not many teams no, they, are. They they don't they, they don't really do meek acceptance of decisions, no. No, no. So I would have expected them to have been hounded. I would have expected the manager to have been out there at half time having a go at him. You know, things like that, if they truly believed it was a stonewaller. There is one camera angle that this seems to be focused on, which has done it in such an angle that you can't really see the distance between his boot and Barisic's leg. So it does look like a bit of contact, the one from behind him. But mm. then every other angle you look at, you can see clearly that there's not been any contact. And I liked your point earlier, David, it's something that people seem to, to be willing to just forget. No, there doesn't have to be contact for it to be a foul, but that's not universal. You know what I mean? That's mm. not for every situation, as you point out. And that situation there, for that to have been a foul, there would have had to have been contact. He didn't have to... To be honest... He, much as he didn't have to dive, I tell you nothing, he didn't have to. He could have taken the hit. If mm. he was desperate for the penalty, he could have left his foot there and just taken the hit. Well, he missed like was. That, that's you what know. I mean. He, he missed time. He, he's made the decision.
2: And look, football, uh, you don't have time to sit conscious. We've all played, yeah. even, uh, you know, as a, a kickabout with your mates. You don't. Know why you do certain things It's instinct a lot of the yeah. time It happens before your conscious thought He has for whatever reason decided to do it And he starts going down and you're absolutely right Because if he'd continued As if to try and score the goal He probably would have been fouled But because he goes down before He gets to the spot where a foul would take place Then it's a dive So yeah. moving on from that then
0: so um, Sorry, sorry David, I had to go on I just going to say The acid test is See if it was a penalty a an appeal for his yellow card, Celtic, and, and, see, what, I, I, and see, see what the 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 committee, the infamous committee, think here. Roll the dice. Tell us, tell us how much you believe it was a penalty. Appeal the yellow card.
2: Yep, fair point. So moving on then, and came a moment that ah, oh, we've waited on for a while. This has been a great season because we've taken away everything from them. I mean, we've we've literally taken away everything from them. Oh, can you see the Rangers coming? Yep, look up. Uh, Ah, 10 in a row. Nope. Have you ever seen Gerard win the league? Yes. And then the last thing, the only thing keeping the we played well for 20 minutes at Ibrox Trophy company was the at least Morelos hasn't scored against his trophy. And it's gone as well, eradicated. Uh, I'm a great believer, Alex, in unnecessary corners often lead to goals. I, I, yes. Maybe it's just because I look for it, but <laughs> right, I know you know confirmation bias. But I do, yes. I do think that there's a heavier um, aspect of it. And Kenny turns round, no idea where they think he, there was a foul on him, by the way. But he turns round under no pressure and decides he'll thump the ball back to his goalkeeper from the halfway line, gets it wrong completely, and it goes out for a corner. Barisic delivers a beauty Celtic are not good at defending set pieces uh, it, it's Leon Balaghan he gets there there's I think another two Rangers players behind him ready to do it as well nods it down into the ground, it's not going in as as far as I can see from the angle no. and then Alfredo at the back post he's alive, gets in, header brave header because he could have gone right into the post puts it away and it's 1-1 and initially when I saw it was him, you know, my heart served does. every Rangers fans did Then I thought, given his luck, I immediately looked at the linesman. (laughs) But nope, no, and he timed his run perfectly. He's well onside. Oh, what a moment it was for him. And and I was just so delighted because of the shit he's taken for not scoring in these matches.
1: uh, There's not been many Rangers players in the past who have deserved a goal more against them than him. So it's been, uh, yeah, it's... uh... A real feel-good moment for all of us. Exactly what you wanted from the day, wasn't it? Amarelo's goal. That was, you know, if you had to choose anything, that was, that was kind of what you were looking for. Um, on your first point, David, I just kind of laughed because I remember in the Slavia game, there was a kind of long ball played and Patterson could have left it and he nodded out for a corner. And like you, my first thought was... Oh, he's always linked to goals. Yeah. yeah.
0: Uh, might, you know?
1: As I say, it might just because I look for it, but, you know, when I watch yeah. games, it's amazing
2: how often somebody under no pressure, I'm not talking about a defensive clearance or whatever, yeah. you know, or a goalkeeper, say, their corners running the milestone. I'm talking about ones where a guy is trying something else, you know, he's trying to clear it and he slices it or a pass back. That's generally what it is yeah. that goes wrong. Um, and yeah, yes. uh It was was great. It is weird and it happened, but it was so great to see him. And and Andy, he's worked so hard and he has come into a goal scoring form in the second half of the season as as we mentioned before. You know, Alfie's a guy, he gets on runs. And usually in his time at Rangers, it's been the first half of the season. This year it's been the second. And he just deserved it. And man did he enjoy it. Yeah, and I think I think this season
0: both I mean, I know he was, he was very, very, we were reliant on him last season. And when his goals dried up, basically that kind of signaled the slump, the post-Christmas slump. But I think this season what we've seen is that he's going to be a hard guy to replace because you've got Itton, who I rate highly. You've got Kamar Roof, who's a top-class striker. You've got Weed Defoe, whose reputation speaks for himself. They don't knit the team together anywhere close to what Morelos does. And the system are playing, but they the two tens round about them. So, I mean, the goal thing against Celtic to me was neither here nor there because we've seen it with Chris Boyd, we've seen it with Gordon Jury, and really it doesn't matter because it was it was more than offset in silverware. Boyd did
1: more. Boyd, I once, and I
0: think was it, no It was something. I mean, it was game like on that one. Yeah,
1: yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah was it, very, it was when it was all decided. Yeah, but right. uh, but that. that but
2: yeah, Jury's the one that I think that it gets levelled at a lot. Um, picked up a lot of silver in his time at Angel Gordon Jury.
1: Yes.
0: I no will
2: say that. Yeah. Um, but no, it, it was just a stick that was used to beat him.
1: And now Did they you, can't. Sorry, guys. Uh, I was just going to say that I noticed after the game, um, or I certainly saw it at half time, and they're talking about the, the set-piece thing and Martin O'Neill's there and such like, and he's, you know, trying to defend it as being, well, it's not a structural thing, uh, it's obviously just because the players aren't going to go and header the ball. It can be both. And see if you look at our goal at Ibrox against them with their own goal, Callum McGregor own goal. If that doesn't hit McGregor, Alfie's standing at the back post for a tap-in. It was exactly the same sort of goal or exactly the same sort of corner as we scored from there uh, on Sunday. So this notion that it's, oh, it's just because they, they don't want to go and header the ball. There's something else going on when the, the main striker in your opposition team is standing about the back post with yards of space at a corner. You know? Yeah, they um, they, was, they can't do it. They they the players on system I'm not sure they understand. It's, it's weird to me that they're that bad at it. You would think even just as professional footballers, even if the coaching of the the last management team or the current management team isn't great, except pieces you've been getting coached in them all through your youth and you would think they would they would take command of it and go, Right, we this is what we're gonna do now. Um, because this isn't working, but for whatever reason they just it's excuse making I suppose isn't it they'll just have just to uh, sit back and, and let it happen
0: I think at that level of football it's a personal issue because as a player you've either got it and you to attack the ball or you've not I don't actually think it's something you can coach it and you can try to coach it and you can get a wee bit better at it but I think it's something that's innate in you you've seen it I mean we've seen players like golf, Butcher they had players like Baldi, Valherin you know would, would, would attack anything in there I don't think they've got the players in there even when they've got Julian in there. And I think that's f- the absolute core cause of their issues at is set-pieces. It's a personnel issue. Plus, it doesn't help that you've got two full-backs that are pretty small and, and crap. <laughs> so <laughs> um, I think they're being kind in terms of their, um, their issue there. We clearly took advantage of it, and I was interested to hear Gerard refer specifically to the fact that Balogun was in there, perhaps ahead of Parson because of that fact and that fact alone. Uh, it gave us a wee bit more aggression and height in both boxes. So, um, listen, seeing the set-pieces, I've said for long enough, and it's no rocket science, and I'm not paying myself to be somebody that knows something that you don't, see when you're not winning games or you're not playing well, you find solutions in different ways. And something I've had levelled at Rangers for years is where set-pieces weren't good enough. And that has totally been blown away over the course of the three years of Gerard because the delivery has got better. We've got class delivery and we've got guys in the team every week that can attack the ball and the proof's in the pudding. I think it's something that we need to be very, very proud of. And if it's we call sure it's the culprit or the, or the the man that's masterminded that, then, again, it just shows you the depth of the, the management team. It's not just about one guy in a dugout.
2: Yeah, and I, I think that, to be fair, Celtic did have a couple of good chances in the first half that they made and Alan McGregor's pulled out a couple of great stops. But the idea that it was... the Celtic were all over us, which is kind of what they've tried to peddle I, I just didn't feel at all. And into the second half, far less. So they've had a couple of efforts from distance, and that, you know, really is about it. And Rangers, I thought, began to get a grip of the game more. And again, Alex, interestingly, I really did feel this. That despite the fact they've had two whole weeks to prepare for this, they played less games than us. They certainly played less games than us in the last last month. Rangers looked fitter to me. And I thought as the game went on, I got more and more confident that, you know, if if a team's going to grab one here, it's going to be us.
1: We used the subs well that way as well. Um, But yeah, I totally agree. There was a a spell in the last 10 minutes for, for a good spell as well. Maybe in fact, the last 20, I would say, good spells in the last 20 minutes where we were camped right in their half. Every clearance, we were picking it up. Stephen Davis looked as though... You would have thought he was the one that had the two weeks off. Absolutely dominating it in there, um, but in terms of fitness, in terms of physicality. Uh, and, you know, we were a little unlucky, especially on the break, not to make Moria a couple of chances. Um, and as I say, we used the subs well, Scott Wright and Kemal Ruth, when they came on, really added to the energy levels as well. Scott Wright in particular, I felt. Um, we wish looked, the he looks him. He does look a player. good. Yeah.
2: And and I was going to bring this up, so we might as well bring this up now. Rangers started yesterday with Jordan. Now, injuries are, are, are biting. Um, I think because we've got good squad guys, you know, good guys who can come in. But injuries are biting. Um, obviously, no James Tavernier. Obviously, no Ryan Jack yesterday. Both were, were missed. I think both would have been very useful yesterday. Um, Kamar Ruth getting back to fitness, not there yet. Scott Arfield. Getting back to fitness, not there yet. So there there were issues. Nathan Patterson on the bench, we've told it a a slight note before it. So there were, you know, options were a bit limited in certain positions. But this is what maybe the fourth or fifth old firm game that I think has passed Joe Aribo by. And there have been all different circumstances. And he's, he's, you know, there's been some certain contributions and stuff. But he seems to play on the edge of this game and I'm kind of looking at, at somebody like right and saying, you know, in a game like this, would you be as well putting in another midfielder a la Arfield in there and then going with somebody like right wide who's got a wee bit more pace than either Aji or, or Aribo, but still has the ability to link up? Well,
1: it's funny because the first game at Parkhead this season we started with Barker and did pretty much that, which a lot of people forget, you know, we absolutely dominated that game. And Brandon Barker started it and took a lot of abuse on the day for his performance. But um, he was given a specific job and and he'd done it very well. Uh, On that day, in many ways, uh, it wasn't really an attacking job. But, you know, he was asked to to deal with with Ayer stepping out from their bag free And while he was on the pitch, Ayer never done it once. Barker goes off the park. Ayer starts getting some joy. Um, But... uh, but yeah, I think Gerald has that sort of in mind. It's just that Scott Wright's not really had the chance yet to to show that, you know, when he starts a game he's he's as effective. He's obviously only come off the bench for us. That'll come. Um with Aribo, I think the last time I would say he played well against him was probably the League Cup final, where mm. everybody did. And he was really good that day. Um he's an inconsistent player. I'd rather that just... he
2: played badly and we won. Yes.
1: Yeah. Of right, course,
2: can I just yeah. say this now? Joe Joe Arriba not having his best game. He's not been rubbish. He's just at times he's just not been as involved as you'd want. Um, but yeah, I'd rather have that than him playing really well and us losing. I'll just state that yeah. for the record.
1: I think there's a lot of focus on Arriba in general because we know how talented he is, and I know that Andy's a big fan of him that way and has certain thoughts on how we should use him as well. Um, he just he can he is at the moment. Still, when I know people think that, you know, 23, 24 isn't young. It is in in terms, really. You don't really hit that consistent stride uh, until you get to late 20s. You only need to look at the improvement in James Tavernier and Conor Goldson over the past two and a half seasons, three seasons, to see that even when you hit 26, 27, there's still more to come. Uh, and Aribo's not even there yet. So... Players like him and Hadji is another one who didn't quite have his best day either. You know, I'm a huge fan of him David. I know you are as well. But he's still. I mean, I think that's his first start in this fixture. You know, so that again, that wee bit of experience. He played really well when we played them at Eyebrooks when he came on at half time, but didn't have the same impact in this one. These guys are just not quite finding that that level of consistency yet. But there's a big focus on them because they're so talented when they're at their best. Um, and maybe sometimes we need to just take a wee step back and think maybe we're being a wee bit, you know, overly critical of them just because of how good they can be. Uh, and maybe just, you know, a wee bit harsh, but only a bit because they should be. They should be coming away for these games thinking to themselves, I want to be better than that, you know. Um, and Joe boys is a, a good example of that. Somebody he should be coming away from that game and saying, I wasn't good enough there. I need to step this up. What do I need to do to do that? Uh, yeah, again, no, David, he's. Punted about positions, hasn't he? He started midfield yesterday. On yeah, he, 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 Thursday, he was one of the front three. Um, on the Thursday before, he was one of the midfield three. You know, he's, he's going to... We can't seem to quite find where to put him yet. Um, And, you know, it seems to be... There's different strengths that you're just not sure what's going to show up on the day.
2: So, Andy, we get
1: uh, to the end. It's a 1-1 draw. Celtic convince themselves
2: that you know they were hard done by yada yada. And I've seen in the kind of celtic minded press stuff about oh the gap's not that big. It is. It's literally twenty points. And unlike times with typewriters, league tables don't lie. If there's been a few points in it, then you can point to injuries, you can point to luck decisions, all of that. That's okay. Twenty? No. Right? No. And the idea that that somehow that, that people are or seeing a gap that doesn't exist. It literally fucking exists. That's it over
0: there. <laughs> so, um, I'm, I am know for the first time I've heard this kind of uh, rhetoric, but for, for some reason, they've handed the league to us this year. Now, it's nonsense, first of all, because you cannot argue with a team that's went the whole period unbeaten. So, let's say they had a good season. They'd still be probably five or six points behind us anyway. And even with that context, us going to park just yesterday and drawing would have been a great result for us, right? So if it was a great result for us if they were within five or six pointers, what kind of result is it when they're 20 ahead? And I think there's, um, there's a number of things at play here. There's a, a desire at Celtic to make sure that they try to rebuild the, the narrative around this team and this squad. Because at this point in time, they have major problems because they're going to need a rebuild of not only the team the management team, they're going to need a rebuild of the football structure as well because as we found to our cause with Cousine and so forth, if you have not quite the football structure in terms of director of football or whatever you want to call it in place or even a notion of it in place and the recruitment structure, then it's very hard to then get the manager and the dugout in the right place as well. So i am they're, they're going to be dealing with it, right? and I fully expect them to make announcements in, in the Rara Ra Brigade. Brigade, thats quite a literal thing for the minute. But they—they're going to be—they're <laughs> <laughs> going to be doing their cheerleading as usual because they need to get their fans on side. Their fans are fucking disgusted with them because they've capitulated so badly this season and gave up the holy grail and rendered quadruple trebles and everything else pretty much pointless. Right? Let's let's face facts—they they can't stomach it, and therefore they need to sell season tickets and they need to sell them pretty soon. And that is why we're seeing them try to dress this up as some kind of positive and why it was a definite penalty and why they need to be believing in the squad. This is all directed towards a notion that they need to rebuild uh, a sense of uh, positivity around their club. So the reality is as that's not the case. The reality is that we've been on the other side of this conversation when we went to play Celtic when they've won the league quite comfortably and we take belief from the fact we beat them after it right and and in the Gerard years it's kind of it's kind of contributed to the the, the forward motion in terms of progress right but in this case it's different for Celtic because they're not coming for a place where they've had 10 years of shit and a, and a win yesterday would have been seen as a big positive they've had dominance for, for nine years so I think that uh, we can be pretty comfortable in reality and I mean us sitting here in reality knowing the true context of that is all yesterday, I think we can let them think whatever they want, because I think it, it's quite useful for them to be thinking that, because if they think the gap's not that big, and they think it can be turned around quite quickly, I'm not saying it can be, but I think that they're, they're being overly optimistic there, because if we get recruitment right in the summer, and the ins and outs don't uh, too dramatically uh, kind of change the shape of our squad, then we can be pretty positive getting into next year again. Um, so, uh, listen, it's all noise. As usual, it's all noise. But uh, I didn't think they'd revert back to the, the paranoia, conspiracy bollocks about penalties so quickly. No, oh, I don't. Uh, well, uh, you know, uh, if that, if that's their, their kind of attitude, then it's good for us, it really is, because it's denial.
2: No, that, that's definitely their um, potato chips. That's that's their their jam. That's what they like to do. They, they feel comfortable in it. And, yeah, you you certainly saw that yesterday. But, yeah, delude themselves all they like, because if it's a case of we just need a couple of adjustments, no, you don't. And, yeah, knock yourselves out if that's what you believe. If, if you're going to allow yourself to be persuaded by a board that don't have a lot of money to spend – that you don't need to spend a lot of that money, then wonderful, knock yourselves out, because you are miles behind us. The proof is in the pudding. And I remember, and you'll remember this, guys, 1999-2000, a fantastic Rangers team blows away Celtic. We then added a lot of players in summer, and the next year it collapsed, absolutely died in its arse, and Celtic ran away with it. And that summer we said, aye, well, you know we we're really good. We blew it. It was us. You know, advocate for out these players, all that. You know, we'll be better next year. Hmm. Didn't work out like that, did it? And advocate was gone by Christmas. But uh, yep, we'll we'll see what happens. With that. Now, one gratifying thing to come out of what was a pretty horrible few days with a reprehensible scum club, Slavia Prague, continuing to fail to take responsibility for the actions of their player, was the rest of Scottish football. Um... Back, I was going to say standing up and, and backing Glencamara and in some cases literally the decision was taken by Rangers and followed by other well by the Rangers players I've got to say and followed by other clubs to no longer take the knee but to stand up against racism because they, they felt that it had become a meaningless gesture um, and certainly uh, I think we've got to back the players on that decision and it was good to see the rest of Scottish football Alex doing the same and British football as a whole, and I've seen a lot of comments from English fans saying we are all Arsenal. You know, people that don't like Arsenal down south when they're going to play Slavia, Uh, and it has been the one positive you can take out of this, you know, rather disgusting stain on football created by Slavia.
1: Yeah, it shows that. It shows at least as much as taking the knee seems to have. Lost its impact, and there's no doubt about that. It shows that it at least had one initially, because this conversation's now, you know, as you said, it's it's nationwide now. It's big. It hasn't just been something that happened in the Rangers game and then forgotten about three days later. You know, it's it's made an impact beyond that. Uh, which 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 to be for being honest with ourselves, David, football wasn't like that ten years ago. You know, uh, if something like this happened not that long ago, it would have largely been forgotten about after a week. Uh, but no, this is now a situation where uh, football, especially in the UK, and it's, a, it's because we're here, we see more is willing to talk about this. Um, <laughs> Slavia really haven't done much for the old Eastern European stereotype this way, have they? Um, mm. They have uh, um, some of their statements, some of the things their fans have done have been uh, <sighs> almost make you angry. Um, oh, no
2: they do make you angry They're, they're, they're genuinely disgusting And yeah. uh, the fact that we're hearing today That the, the police have received a complaint From Slavia about an alleged assault um, Going on is, is again Them trying to paint themselves as the victims When in fact they should be Dealing with the issue As it, as it happened and yeah. Something I wanted to ask you about Andy Was something said by Michael Stewart And we know he's an idiot but he does have a platform And he's a platform that we pay for we are forced by law to pay to watch the BBC, that whether you watch it or not. So, at the end of the day, we we invest in this. So I think we do have a right to criticise. And he got a lot of uh uh, uh copped a lot of flack. Uh, Rio Ferdinand speaking out against him, uh, along with his brother Anton, for suggesting that there was no proof and that we needed proof of this uh, alleged assault, uh, alleged uh, racial abuse of Glenn Kamara. Now, firstly, would he have reacted like that had it been a, a player from another club in Scotland? I really have my doubts. But but here's the thing. What he is therefore saying to to anybody who's the victim of this, to any member of the BAME community is unless you have it on tape then we won't believe you. That's what he's saying because that's the proof he clearly needs that we need to have it on tape. Life doesn't work like that and this is how we have things like trials, where evidence is given. You look at the evidence you do have. Now, the evidence to this are, what do we know of Glenn Kamara? Is he a player who reacts in the fashion that he did? No. So, straight away, there's something for you to consider. Secondly, do we have a witness? Yes, we do. We have Bongani Zungu, who heard it instantly. Well, how you know was he in league with Glenn Kamara? Well, they both said the same thing. Independently of each other on the pitch instantly. So unless that they communicated what the remark was by telepathy, then yes, it's clear that that it did happen. And it it was Real Ferdinand who said it's people like you that stop people coming forward because they think they won't be listened to. And this made me very angry indeed, as did his response in the Saturday, where he said, "I find it hard to take that I'm being lambasted." Oh, that's a shame, Michael, but you're being lambasted for words you chose to say. He's being lambasted by somebody because of the colour of his skin. So if you find that hard to take, can you imagine how Glenn Camara feels? The lack of compassion, the lack of basic decency, Andy, and more importantly, uh, you know, from me, that the self-regard, the selfishness that he's somehow the victim of, that he's got anything to complain about when in fact he should be just doing what, to be fair, the rest of Scottish football did, which is go, we're right behind you Glenn. Disgusted me.
0: The Michael Stewart is pretty black and white. He's opinionated and he's paid for his opinion, so that's fine, but he is pretty black and white. There's no kind of tempered, measured um, halfway house where he can consider even the potential for an alternative, alternative viewpoint. It's pretty black and white. And that's fine, right? Because in matters of football, really, it's no life or death. And you can see a penalty is not a penalty when it is and all sorts of stuff. But I've also got sympathy for people in the public eye who have to comment on issues of race because, personally speaking, I'm pretty terrified of doing it, even on this platform where, because I can't actually verbalise properly, the, the, the things that are mattering in that, in that kind of conversation and that, that's fine as well and I think we've seen glimpses of it in the Black Lives Matter thing came about in the summer David and, and we had to tread very carefully because things can get be misconstrued and, and carried and, and before you know it, they grow arms and legs so I get all that as well however, in this instance again, I don't like to see folk cancelled or provoked into retractions because they've given opinion but does Disney fall under this? That that What, what Stuart did, Disney kind of fall under those um, allowances or those kind of benefits or doubt? Because what he did there, as you've quite rightly said, is he's he's acting as if, well, it's black and white here, and, and it's one man's word against another, so that's it. No, it's no, because as you've quite rightly pointed out, there's, there's things there that you, any kind of reasonable person would calculate to the point where You know, this probably happened. And even if we give a benefit of doubt to the alleged perpetrator, I think I can give support towards Glenn Kamara because if it's true that this is harmed, it's utterly disgusting. So I listened to Michael Stewart on that Sports Sound episode. I thought he was less fluent in terms of his arguments than normal, right? He has a tail.
2: Somebody should point this out to me. He has a tail. Yeah, when he's talking shit, when he's saying something he doesn't believe... And when he's doing something just to be a troll, then you're right. He said, you know, and it's, you You know, know, and it's, you know, all the time because it's not coming fluently because he's having to think about it. And one of Michael Stewart's great problems is that he thinks he's cleverer than he is. And his problem is he's too stupid to realise that he's not as clever and that people who aren't as thick as he is can see that he, he should. And again, you know, he, he said, I find it ironic and he used ironic in the wrong sense. And that, that's always to me an indicator of somebody that is uh, writing intellectual checks that their mind can't cash because it's a word you've heard and you vaguely sort of know what it, what it is and you throw it out there to try and make yourself sound clever. Well, here's the problem, Mikey. People who do know what that word means know that you've misused it and know that you're a fucking halfwit and that's what's happened here. Alex, there are, you know, Andy nailed it there for me when he said, you can say it wasn't a penalty, right, when it clearly was to annoy, your know, Rangers fans. Because that's doesn't really matter, really, in the grand scheme of the world, right? That's just football. But there are certain things that you just want to be surely on the right side of history. And you just go, yep, I'm going to fall in with this. What can I do to help? And surely that's just a, a matter of, of a basic conscience.
1: Yeah, you know, you guys have summed it up perfectly for me. It wasn't so much the first part of what he was saying that bothered me, you know, his whole, we have to be careful here, we we don't have this evidence or that evidence. Uh, and I would have disagreed, with him. You know, if, if all he had said was, I don't believe the evidence that we have at the moment supports this accusation enough for me to you know, go all out and say, this definitely happened. See, if that's all he'd said, I would have disagreed with him because of the things that you've pointed out. Yeah, I, I don't believe that's a tenable position. I don't believe it is either, but, you know, I would have said, OK, right, so that's him giving an opinion. It's another nonsense one. OK, I would have ignored that largely, if I'm being honest, you know. Uh, but I would have ignored it as a nonsense opinion. But the part that really bothered me about it was then to say, we need to allow UEFA to have this investigation. And if UEFA don't find anything's happened, then nothing happened. Uh, he used uh, the Vigors situation earlier in the season, didn't he, as an example of that. Oh, there was a big investigation and nothing came of it. So that must have meant nothing happened was pretty much his words along those lines. And as you pointed out, that's just nonsense. And if that's the attitude that he believes we should have, then it does lead to a whole lot of problems. That Slavia Prague player knew, knew what he was doing absolutely knew what he was doing with the way he covered his mouth, with how quickly he done it. And it was his reaction afterwards that really bothered me, David, because if, i said this on, on another one of the, the pods that we do on Patreon. If I had said something that had been misconstrued or had said what he claimed and then got told that I was a racist, I would have been pretty angry. Mm. You know? I would have been a wee bit wound up and been saying, well, hold on a second here, and my action wouldn't have been Largely, what he did, which was put his hands up, shrugged his shoulders, and walked away. His reaction was largely, "What are you gonna do?"
0: Yeah. Because
1: he knew he knew he couldn't get a definitive. You know, there wasn't this; it wasn't on tape. He covered his mouth. He knew exactly what he was doing, um, and that was, you know, that the, the fact that people are then saying, "Oh, if you can't prove it, you know, nothing could have happened." That that's the bit that, that bothers me the most of what Michael Stewart said, because. It's not. that's no longer just opinion, that's him trying to state some sort of fact, that's mm. him stating or it's, you know, it's what, as, as Andy said, it's one way or the other, there's no grey areas here um, and you know, we need to wait on what UEFA say I don't believe UEFA are going to do very much about this guys, I don't know how of you guys I'm feel not. about that, it's, it's I don't UEFA. think they'll do much yeah. No, they won't, they'll hit they'll you know, both
2: clubs with a fine and, and yeah. then they'll they'll yeah. ignore it and hope it goes away, like, like we always so, do in situations yeah. like this, but no, I, as I say, I just felt that There are, this idea, and and look, you get false accusations of serious things, and they're horrible things, and you're right, we do have to guard against it, but you look at all the evidence, he'd had his mind made up immediately, he didn't look at it, he said afterwards, oh, I didn't know Zungu could corroborate it, right, this was the Friday night, he said this, that's bollocks, you knew instantly that Zungu, and Rangers said on the Friday night, and uh, on the Thursday night, so nonsense, um, it was I'm going to take this position and damn the facts and it's too serious a subject to do that with and it, it, it was a disgrace, it was an absolute disgrace right then, moving on folks yeah. uh, we will move on to to the the fixtures are out and our uh, third trip of the season is to, drumroll Livingston Andy um, title day will be the 15th uh, or trophy day rather will be the, the 15th against Aberdeen at home we have Celtic on May the second, and we also have a home fixture against Hibbs and uh, away fixture at St Johnston. Scottish Cups coming up—is that the focus? The manager said he'll use the squad. Yep,
0: yeah, I think we are having a wee mini season here, and I think this international break and the fact we win the league can set us up quite nicely to have a real focus on that Scottish Cup and. Uh, you mean, we spoke about Scott Wright earlier on. I'm chomping it a bit to see him in the team because I think I think we've got a wee bit of dynamite there that could change the the whole dynamism of that team. I think we could have the same thing we get for Kent on the left, on the right, with Scott Wright in terms of runs and all sorts and pace and power. So players like him will get their chance and get bled into the team in earnest now. Uh, so we've got a real good chance to have a blast at the Scottish Cup. And... We'll play Celtic again and I have no no doubt about it and uh, that'll be the one that matters uh, interesting to see we're going back to Livingston again you know this is a, a, the kind of when was the last time these post-split fixtures ever fell in our way I can't really remember uh, ever really fell in our way when it when it matters so let's thank thank everybody for getting the league tied up before that and I think we've got a May Day holiday the day after <laughs> the Celtic game haven't we I we do yeah. It. So, no doubt uh, Humza and Nicola, if she's still there, will be rolling out the the empty threats to make sure that we all behave, and all this bollocks. Or maybe we'll be back into some kind of semblance of civility in society and we might actually get a wee bit of a party that's, that's, um, that's no dissected and blamed for everything and anything. So, yeah. Uh, Five fixtures It mean fuck all, really. Let's go for the Scottish <laughs> Cup. Six uh,
2: Well, you're right. And if it was a case of win the Scottish Cup and maybe don't do so well in the league games, we'd all take it. But Alex, you don't get these opportunities that often. Doesn't mean any in the grand scheme of things, I get it. But to put yourself within five matches of an undefeated season, that's an opportunity. That is,
1: yeah. Um, and we had a bit of a go at McCoy's number when he'd done it back in League One.
2: Um, very different,
1: Alex. Yes, that's what i was just about to point out. This, is, this time it is quite different, um, and would be far more laudable. Obviously, um, now it shouldn't be done at the expense of anything longer term. Yeah, I totally get that. Uh, you know, I don't want any players running into the ground um, to such that you're looking at an injury in preseason being disrupted for the next season or whatever. We don't need to do that, but. Yeah, I, I think Andy's right. The timing of this international break is spot on. It's going to give a lot of the squad time to just kind of sit back, take everything in, get refocused, get energy levels back up. And it's a, a little mini-season, as you say, just those five league games, Scottish Cup, let's see what we can do here. Let's try and find the performance levels um, that we when we need them. Um, and let's see what guys can do who come in, because I, I think that we will use the league games for a bit more rotation if there's a cup game you know, in, in close proximity. You'll see the strongest team played there and maybe guys like Wright and Itton, um, getting chances uh, in those league games that maybe they wouldn't have got otherwise. So uh, it'll be good that way as well because we've got a, a fair bit of energy and on that bench, guys waiting, busting it, the gut to get a chance. And I hope that's something that can drive us on towards the end of the season as well. I'm hoping, David, five, five games... And the next five league games undefeated, it would be huge. It doesn't matter what the makeup of that is, really. You know, um, five draws would feel disappointing. It's not going to be that, but um, but yeah, it would be it would be some achievement to go the full season unbeaten in the league, uh, in the Scottish Cup. Well, that would just be icing on the cake, really, wouldn't it?
2: Yeah, I would be very happy with that if we were to, to get our goals. And given the season we're having, then you wouldn't bet against it. You'll get full co- uh, coverage of it, of course, over on our Patreon. It's patreon.com forward slash heart and hand. That's patreon.com forward slash heart and hand. And if you visit our website, which is just uk, you'll get our full range of 55 tat. Uh, loads of shite with uh, our logo and 55 on it Uh that's your thing. Right, uh, thanks to our Executive Producers in London, Mike Lee and Paul Myers, and thanks to my two guests today, the splendid Alexander Staff. Thank you. The wonderful Andy McGowan.
1: As always, David.
2: We'll be back in a couple of weeks, so until then, stay safe, take care. Oh, and by the way, remember, we are the champions. Take care. Bye-bye.